0: One of the most valuable soccer teams in the world is for sale in what could be a crucial moment for European soccer. It's Thursday, February 23rd. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter and this is Front Office Sports Today. Preliminary bids were due last Friday for Manchester United, and we are starting to get a sense of the dynamics here. To be clear, this is not the final offer stage. Bidders submitted their valuations for the club and some sense of how they would finance a purchase. From there, the Rain Group, which is managing the sale, will weed out the ones they find less desirable and will move on to the next stage. The team is owned by the Glazer family, who also owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The reason they are selling is that they are seemingly getting sick of dealing with this. Those are Manchester United fans chanting, we want Glazers out, and that was not a one-off event. The protests were a regular occurrence before the Glazers decided to sell the team. We know about two of the bids, and we know they are not the only two. One of them is from Sir Jim Ratcliffe, and he has been a rumored suitor since before the team was for sale.
1: Do you think there's a possibility you might acquire it at some point? I mean, I'm a lifelong Manchester United fan. Um, If it had been for sale, In the summer, yes, we would probably have had a go following on from the Chelsea.
0: This is your traditional sports ownership story. Ratcliffe grew up as a Manchester United fan. He went on to become a billionaire with a net worth of $15.3 billion, according to Forbes. And now at 70, he is trying to buy the team. He is the founder and chairman of Ineos Group, which is a multinational chemicals company with annual revenue of about $61 billion. Through Ineos, Ratcliffe owns the French team Nice and the Swiss team Lausanne Sport. The other known bid is from a group of Qatari investors. According to Tariq Panja of the New York Times, that group is led by Sheikh Jassim bin Hamad El-Thani, the son of a former prime minister, and the bid is an all-cash offer that could be as high as $6 billion. That would be a world record. But the Glazers might be aiming for $7 billion. The nature of the bids could be a factor here. The Qatari group wants to buy 100% of the team. Ratcliffe reportedly bid to buy 69%. The Qatar group said they would return Manchester United to its former glory, which apparently got under the skin of the Glazers, and now bidders have been asked to not denigrate the team or its owners. Qatar, like Saudi Arabia, has tremendous wealth from its oil and is willing to spend it on sports as part of a long-term diversification effort. Qatar just spent an estimated $220 billion, mostly on construction costs, to host the World Cup. So those two bids are in, but there are others that we don't know about because only two of them felt it would be strategic to publicly announce their bids, and the rain group is being quiet about the whole process. There were previous reports that a group from Saudi Arabia was planning a bid, but more recent reports said that's not happening. The question lingering for me is, does the Premier League and Man United fan groups have any influence here, and is there any squeamishness around taking money from the Middle East when there is a relatively warm and fuzzy alternate story of the boyhood fan who finally gets to own his favorite team? Ratcliffe is leaning into that. He has said he wants to put the Manchester back in Manchester United and to anchor the club in its, quote, proud history and roots in the northwest of England. That said, if Manchester United is bought by a group from the Middle East, they'll be far from alone. Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund already owns the Premier League team Newcastle. Paris Saint-Germain is owned by a Qatari government fund called Qatar Sports Investments. Manchester City is owned by Sheikh Mansour, the deputy prime minister of the United Arab Emirates. And Sheffield United is owned by Prince Abdullah, the general president of Saudi Arabia's general sports authority. So this isn't about crossing a threshold. The threshold has been crossed many times over. It's more a question of whether there is any real desire for British ownership at a time when team valuations are pricing out more and more potential bidders. And if there is, does any of that actually impact the Glazers? Let's take a look at the rest of the sports world. Ratings for the NBA All-Star Game were really bad. TV viewership was down 27% from last year, and Denver Nuggets coach Michael Malone called it the, quote, worst game ever played. It's kind of the same story with every All-Star game now. No one wants to play real defense or risk injury, which is how we get to a final score of 184 to 175, with Team Giannis beating Team LeBron. The PGA Tour has been allowed to add Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund, the Public Investment Fund, and its chief, Yasser al Rumayyan to a counterclaim against Live Golf. That gives them the potential to draw damages from one of the biggest piles of money in the world if they are able to win that case. And the Pac-12 is on a hunt for a new media deal and could end up with Apple TV+. CBS and Warner Bros. Discovery have backed out of negotiations with ESPN, Fox, and NBC still lingering around. Up next, I spoke to Chief Commercial Officer of Major League Rugby, Harry Hardy, on the challenges and opportunities in bringing an incredibly popular global sport to the U.S. where most people don't know a whole lot about rugby. He's working to change that. We'll have that conversation right after this. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improve their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash frontoffice right now. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. Okay, I'm joined today by Major League Rugby Chief Commercial Officer Harry Hardy. Harry, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So. You guys launched in 2018. Give me sort of your 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 growth, your progression from 2018 to today, uh, having just launched your sixth season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's been it's been rapid uh, growth in, in that in that period of time. But to go back, I guess to, to 2018 or even before that, when uh, this league was first conceptualized. You know, r- rugby a sport uh, that's played all over the world. Um, and has been played all over the world for. You know, hundreds of years in some cases. Um, but but kind of North America um, it hadn't necessarily kind of caught on to the extent say it has in in England, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, um, some of these other countries around the world. Um, and so uh, a number of people recognized the, the, um, the opportunity for growth in, in what is you know obviously the, the biggest sports market in the world. Um, And so out of that, uh, Major League Rugby was was formed. Um, We are the highest standard or I guess the only um, professional rugby league in in North America. Um, Our uh, players are um, now kind of filling up the U.S. national team in terms of um, the the highest level of competition in in this country. We're starting to get a lot of traction kind of internationally. A lot of the, the global rugby community is is uh, looking at our league, the standard of play really improved. Um, and, of course, you know, the the light at the end of the tunnel, or I guess the North Star, to put it better, is is the Rugby World Cup, you know, the, the third uh, biggest sports event in the world um, after the Olympics and the Soccer World Cup is coming to the U.S. in 2031, uh, the men's and then the women's in 2033. And so um, our league is perfectly positioned um, to, to grow and, and receive a ton of attention and investment, um, leading up to that World Cup in, in eight years' time.
0: Yeah. So, um, and actually, I, I want to drill down on that point because I would not have guessed that the Rugby World Cup was the third largest sporting event in the world. Uh, could you back up that statement?
1: Yeah. So, it, you know, in turn, again, just that international reach of, of um, rugby as a sport. So, just in terms of travelers into the, the host country uh tickets sold stadia yeah it's it's um you know it's a, it's a huge deal and um the fact that uh you know world rugby usa rugby and major league rugby there's three entities there world rugby kind of governs the global game usa rugby governs the game here in in the us and then us major league rugby with a the professional league um, the fact that the three of us were able to kind of collaborate um, and, and get that that World Cup awarded here. It's just a huge indicator as the potential for the sport in this country, and and again how the global rugby community kind of sees North America as the next big destination for the sport.
0: How do you introduce a sport, grow a sport to a, a country that does love sports, but you know we already have many very well established ones? How do you go about that?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's one we we talk about it a lot because we um, we have a great product in, in, in rugby in terms of the, the sport, the gameplay. And, and so we we hone in on those fundamentals. One, um, you know, the physicality of the, of the players and the athleticism. These these guys are just, rugby players are just kind of built differently. And we talk about that a lot, kind of on and off the field. Um, you know, they're built for speed and power and strength on the field. And And off the field, they're they're built for uh, enjoying themselves after the match and toasting to to the opposition team. And and there's just kind of this fundamental code of honour in in rugby players um, that is really unique to the sport. So we we talk about that that piece a lot. Um, We talk, you know, our game is is 40 minutes or two 40 minute halves of play, and uh, it's pretty much nonstop action. You know, there's no downs like in football. Um, yeah, the, the clock will stop if the, if there's a, uh, the ball goes out of play, but ultimately it's just, you know, constant gameplay. Um, and it's not, you don't have to dedicate three hours, four hours, you know, in some cases, five hours of your life to consuming a match of rugby, like you do some other sports. So the product is phenomenal in, in our opinion. And, and how we, how we expose the kind of mass sports fans to that product, I think, right now is through our contract with, with Fox. So we have um, an exclusive broadcast agreement with, with Fox and the Fox sports platform. And so, you know, every weekend throughout our season, either on Fox sports one or Fox sports two, um, you know, casual sports fans can, can dip into a major league rugby game and, they, and they discover it for the first time uh, in some cases. And, and then, um, our championship game and and conference finals are on uh, the main Fox network.
0: Is is the plan going forward just to to grow both of those audiences, try to bring more people into the national network, and then have maybe have some of them um, catch on in the streaming network?
1: It, exactly. Yeah, we we see the, the Fox um, partnership as kind of the the top of the funnel, the the the, the biggest net that we can cast to expose. Um, American for- sports fans to to our product, and then once they they kind of get in in that kind of fan journey, you know how are we communicating to them through our social media channels, and then ultimately how are we um, getting them to engage with the rugby network and um, providing them with meaningful kind of other content, whether it's behind the scenes shoulder programming um, to to really story tell uh, around the unique angles of of our sport. Um, beyond that, we, we have um, invested in, in a couple of products around sports betting. You know, we've, we've partnered with um, a group called Sports Information Solutions um, to uh, make sure our data is of the right format and right latency for sports books to ingest and, and offer real t- uh, in-game uh, betting lines, which is something that's never been available before on Major League Rugby. So we see, obviously, the sports betting uh, audience as, as a great growth opportunity for us and we'll also launch this year our first ever fantasy sports uh, product which will probably launch about mid-season um, again it's it's kind of the way the sports landscape's gone if you don't if you're not engaging on the fantasy and the sports betting side then you're kind of leaving leaving fans on the table so we, we've spent a lot of um, time and and money kind of uh, looking at those two uh, angles
0: and so you just launched your sixth season. Just to wrap us up here, what should we be looking forward to in MLR season six?
1: Yes, we're one week in. Um, yeah, you know, what what we should be looking forward to is just you know just great competition on the field. If if you haven't watched a rugby match or, or a major league rugby match, we encourage you to just just tune in. It, it, you know, the, like I said, these guys in terms of the physicality, the ball handling skills, the the hits, and, and you know a lot of people. <laughs> you know, get amazed. These these guys don't don't wear pads. You know, there's no pads. Um, there's no stoppages. It's it's fast. It's furious. Um, and so, you yeah, know, that, that's on the field. You know, off the field, you're going to see an incredibly impressive um, product on, on Fox. We've rolled out a new graphics package, which is in line with, with any major um, sports league out there. Like I said, we've added, we're adding the fantasy product. We're adding the ability to bet on the games. Um, so, you know, this, this league is grown dramatically in six years and and we'll continue to see that that growth over the next eight as i said leading up up to the world cup
0: yeah all right very cool harry hardy thanks so much for joining us on the podcast thank you that will do it for today i want to hear your questions your thoughts on the show and what you're most excited about in the sports world is it baseball formula one starting up march madness the nhl major league rugby hit us up at today at frontofficesports.com and we will see you tomorrow